Today's sermon text is Psalm 78, verses 1 through 7, a psalm of Asaph. O my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying, for I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past, stories we have heard and known, stories our ancestors handed down to us. We will not hide these truths from our children. We will tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to, our ch- to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. And they, in turn, will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. This is God's word. Amen. Thank you, brother. Such well-spokenness of you. Great job. I love that. I might have to incorporate that at our church. Learn something new all the time. Stories we have heard. Stories handed down so that we will tell the next generation. So that each generation might set its hope anew in God. Stories. Stories of life. All of our lives are full of stories. Full of good and full of some bad and you've got some ugly stuff interwoven all in between. Growing up, I, I loved to play a couple of sports, two in particular, basketball and baseball. And yesterday I was reminded of how uh, crippled I am <laughs> playing basketball like, it was, like I was 12 again. Uh, with your pastor, my, my best friend Chris, we played in his, in his driveway and... He won, okay, I'll give, I'll give you that, he won, okay. I mean, come on, he's like this, so there's no way I can block his shots. And, uh, but anyway, we had a, had, had a blast, played two games to, to 11. The second one was close, I'll give you that. I, I was a lot closer in the second game, but, uh, but he won, so he won. But I also love playing, playing baseball growing up, and uh, I, I, there's a lot of stories about about. Uh, sports I love, but one in particular story that I like um, that, that Jeremy's not going to like, and, and, and that is that has to deal with with the 1932 World Series baseball as the Chicago Cubs against the New York Yankees, and classic rivalry, and uh, it was the series was tied one to one. The game was tied, and it was in the fourth inning, the top of the fourth inning, that the infamous Babe Ruth stepped into the batter's box. And uh, I was at Wrigley Field, and uh, and, and he stepped in and uh, settled in, and and here comes the pitch, strike one. Sits there again, strike two. Well, by this time, the crowd at Wrigley Field went crazy. They were giving the babe uh, an awful time, heckling him, calling him God knows what, and and just giving it to him. And, and he takes a moment, and he steps out of the batter's box, and he takes his bat, and he points it to the center field wall. 2-0 and o count against him, or 0-2 oh, yeah, against him. And, and he steps back in, and here comes the pitch, and the, the, the crack of the bat hits the ball and sends it 440 feet over the center field wall. Well, that, that home run ended up winning that game, and, and, they, and, the, and the Yankees ended up winning the series, uh, the 1932 World Series. But I love that story about the babe, the audacity to take two strikes and to make the team think, the home team think, they got him. They're going to strike him out, and he sips back in, and he calls his shot. What a cool story. And that's an awesome story. I like that. But I, there's another story I like. It's, it's, it's out of the Bible. I should talk about that, too. And it's a, it's a classic showdown, another classic rivalry. I love it. It's in 1 Samuel 17 between David and Goliath. It's always been my, one of my favorite stories. And 
And uh, if you know that story, a lot of you know that story well, and um, it is a classic, classic showdown between good and evil, between big and small. And uh, if the odds were stacked against anybody, they were certainly stacked against David. I love rooting for the underdog at different times. It might not even be the team I care for, but if they're down, I just find myself cheering the underdog on because I just like a comeback story, you know, when life is stacked against you. And, and certainly it was stacked against Israel. And there was this process of time between the time David was chosen to be king and from the time he was actually crowned to be king. And this story takes place in that process of time and it and it displays a triumphant overwhelming victory for israel because of david and david didn't go into this fight though fighting in the conventional traditional way that perhaps uh saul and others were wanting him to in fact saul the king said hey david you need to put this armor on it's my armor wear what i have for you and try it out and here's my sword and i mean that's really the only way you're going to be able to to take care of yourself is to do it the way i do it and and david tried it he put it on he wasn't comfortable it's like this isn't me and uh and he and he said i can't do it this way he said i've got to fight this giant the way i know how to fight him when, when something you don't know about me, he said, was when I was out taking care of my father's sheep, when nobody else was around, he said, I got real good with a slingshot. And he said, in fact, he said, when the lions and the bears would try to come and take my father's sheep, he said, I would, I would take a club to their head. I would jump on their back, and, and oftentimes I would take a, a stone and use my shepherd's sling. And said, so you don't know that about me, and I know you might not you know, believe a whole lot in me right now, but just, just let me do it the way I, I feel the most confident in doing it, the way God created me to do this thing. So he went out, you know the story, he went out and, and, and defeated Goliath and took him down with a shepherd's sling and took Goliath's own sword, cut his head off, held it up, and the Philistines took off running, and, and they were scared. And, and, but this, this story, I like it so much, there's so many things to like about it, but one thing in particular about this story is it, it parallels life. It parallels life because we too face giants. And anything that, that tries to stifle and steal and scare us from fulfilling our God-given destiny on this earth, our mission, if you will. And giants are all around us. They've always been around us. And I, I love that story because it parallels that. But it, it, it showcases, though, our King Jesus coming to save the day. That he, he knows how to face the giants. And he too can rise up within us and help us face our giants. And, and, and how he, he didn't come though, he didn't, he didn't fight the conventional way either. He didn't, he didn't take on the label like many wanted him to do to become the next political leader and, 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 and rise up through the system and, and overturn things and do things that way. No, he, he did it in an unconventional way. He's like, if I'm going to do this, I've got to do it the way my father has sent me to do it, and that is with nine-inch nails across the old rugged cross. I have to do it with, with, a, with a crown of thorns, and, and, and I have to borrow a tomb because I'm not going to be there very long. And, and he said, I, I know to you it doesn't make sense to defeat and fight hell and death and sin this way. I know you want it to go up through the, through the ranks of, of the politics, but it actually it goes to the ranks of the kingdom of God, my Father. And he said, if you'll just let me do it the way I know I'm supposed to do it, then I'll take care of death for you. I'll, I'll, I'll go ahead and take care of hell for you, and I'll become sin for you. And, and, you, and, you, and if you'll put your faith and your trust in me, he said, then you'll be able to overcome any giant that you ever will face in your life because I the king am alive and I'm roaring on the inside of you amen I love that story it's a good story and when you know the thing about life is we all have stories we all have them and and today I want us to look at life story through through the gospel through community and through mission and I want to talk about how our stories matter to God and how our stories also matter to people. That if, that if we are saved by the gospel and we're circled by community and we're sent, being willing to be sent on a mission in God's name, then our stories will begin to make sense. Our stories will begin to make sense. Jesus will be glorified in our life. And here's the awesome part as well. People in our path, will hear our story, know our story, and have a chance 
to become renewed in their life. You see, that's how God works. I, get, I know it makes no sense for God to use people. Stupid. But he created it that way. He made it that way. But here's the awesome part. The spotlight is not on us. The spotlight is on Jesus in us. And it takes the pressure off of us trying to cross our T's and dot our I's and let the Holy Spirit be great and mighty and victorious inside of us and let us live life through the gospel in a community with a mission. And today, if I can take a few minutes of your time and, and talk about my life and my story through these things, through the lens of the gospel, community, and mission, we'll talk about that. 25 years ago, I met Jesus. I put my faith in Jesus 25 years ago this summer. And it's amazing to look back over life. And um, over the last couple of years, I've kind of been in a contemplative, reflective mindset, just kind of thinking about life and where I've come from and what God has done for me and and, and, and all the trials and the stories and the the victories in my life. And it's it's been kind of neat. But um, the you're going to follow along with me today. We're going to look at uh, three different passages of Scripture uh, in addition to the main text we just looked at. But we're going to look at Romans 1, a uh, classic uh, letter by Paul to the Romans. And uh, let's, let's, let's read these couple of verses here. It's Romans 1, 16 and 17. The, the Apostle Paul writes, he says, Hey, I am not ashamed of this gospel, this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work. Saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This gospel, the good news, tells us how God makes us right in his sight. And this is accomplished from start to finish by faith. As the scriptures say, it is through faith that a righteous person has life. Twenty-five years ago, I was introduced to Jesus and became born again and putting my faith in him. And it was at a youth rally. It was, it was a Nazarene church that I was invited to go and be a part of on this particular venue. And, and the thing about this, it's hard to explain, but I just sensed on the way there, I just sensed that something was different. And that something was going to be different. I guess kind of like the Apostle Paul that he wrote to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 5 where he says, The love of Christ compels me. It leaves me no option but to say yes to it. I just can't help but say yes to the love of Jesus Christ. And that's kind of the way I guess I would describe that is I just felt like I didn't have an option. Yeah, we, we have the will to choose, but at that moment in life, I, I it collided and intersected with an unconditional love that was presented through the gospel that evening. And I just sensed I can't say no to this. I just can't say no to this. You see, I, I, I grew up kind of in a, well, I guess what I would call more of a domineering home and a lot of... A lot of things weren't that great at home growing up initially, and 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 so as a result of, of the environment that I grew up in, I, I felt I, I I lived life more or less kind of mentally mentally put down, and and I li- lived life insecure, and I uh, was very unsure of myself, and and scared. I could not stand in front of people. I mean, I wish I had a stuttering problem because at least I could blame it on that, you know. And but God has a remedy to that too. It's just crazy. And uh, but anyway, I, it was so many, so many things in my life. I was, I was fearful. I, I just um, um, felt rejected. I, I looked for affirmation, looked for acceptance. I, I was looking for so many things, just looking to be a part, a place to belong, and, 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 and all these things, carrying so much baggage, carrying so much hurt and wounds in my life that, um, that it just, I, it, 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 was, I, it was a mess. And, and that night, hearing the gospel, responding to it, it was like it was immediate, just immediate. That evening, I felt, the, if you could call it a flood of heaven, I didn't even know how to describe it then, but I said the flood of, the, of heaven just came on me, and, and it seemed through my tears, it just seemed to wash all hurt and stuff away because it hit home. 
it hit my heart where we carry the weight of life. And at that moment, I discovered, I found everything that I had been looking for. Everything I had been looking for, I found in a moment, in an instant. God found me. Jesus came to me. Awesome prayer of declaring that over our life. And, and he just, just embraced me right where I was. I couldn't dress it up. I couldn't laugh it off. I, I couldn't resist it. He just has a way of doing that to us. And, 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 and I experienced love, it, forgiveness, so much forgiveness. So much, in a moment, so much value and significance that I had been looking for was instantly placed on me. Because for the first time in my whole life, and I wasn't that old, just instantly came upon me. And at that moment, revolutionized my life. Like Paul says here, if you believe this gospel, if you'll rely on it, trust in it, follow it with conviction and sink your life into this. Then here's what will happen. He, he says three things. He says you'll be saved. You'll be saved. And it's not just the little cute prayer of salvation. And it's good. It's great. But there's depth to that salvation. It reaches into the very city and the core of your soul. And it has a way of transforming you. Making you different. Rescuing you. Delivering you. Bringing healing into your life. Why do we look for happiness and, and all these things in the, in, the, in, the, in the world scope? Because we think if we'll get it there, then it'll bring the contentment. It'll bring the joy. It'll bring the satisfaction. We look for it in people. We look for it in places. We look for it in our work. We look for it in, in other things. None of those things are wrong in and of themselves. But here's the, here's the thing. We'll never find it unless it's in Jesus, as Denise prayed. It's in Jesus that brings it all together. That as Colossians says, in Him, He holds all things together. And friend, I want to tell you today, wherever you're at in life, wherever, whatever story and stories you have compiled, I want to let you know that if it's not saved through the gospel, then friend, you'll never find what you're looking for. You will never find the question or the answer to your question. You'll never find it it's in Jesus, always has been, and always will be. And the sooner we relinquish control and surrender our will and let Jesus' love take over in our life, you'll find there is a new life, a life of renewal. He says you'll be saved. You'll also be made right with God. I know right now in our earthly world, we, we don't always carry the weight of the judgment that will happen one day. But man, to be made right with God, the one who decides where we go, which place we enter, he determines. And if we're right with him on this earth, brings so much peace. Brings so much peace. But he also says you'll be fulfilled. Man, it is so good to know that I can be fulfilled, not into myself. Not in my spouse, not in the eyes of my children, or even in the job of pastoring. I'm fulfilled in my shepherd, Jesus. That he just has the way of holding on to me and bearing my burdens. Some of you might be trying to bear some burdens today. Feel heavy? Jesus says, hey. Come to me. Come to me. I'll give you rest for your souls. I'll take on the burden. You can roll those cares onto me. Why? Because I care for you. Ever feel like you're overworked and underproducing? A lot of demands in this world. But here's one. Here's an offer, an invitation that you can't refuse. Jesus said, look, man, I've done it. I've conquered. I whipped it. I took care of it. Just take my hand. The gospel. 
free. Oh, it's life-changing. Anything and everything you're looking for, hoping for, needing, really, it's from your soul, and Jesus is the answer. But And the challenge, though, is this. Believe it. Sometimes the story of Christ and the Word of God, it, it, it sounds too good to be true sometimes. But it is true and it is good. Believe it. Sink your life into it. You'll never regret it. But here's the thing about it. It doesn't just start there. It, it, it starts there, but it continues through what, what is called what we call church community. See, after salvation... Uh, that's one of the first things that the, that the preacher told me that night at that youth rally. He said, okay, you're saved now, man. That's awesome. I rejoice with you. But here's what you've got to do. You've got to go home. You've got to find a church. You've got to get in church. And you, know, you, you hear that and you maybe have heard that or told people that. And I, at the time, I was like, I don't really understand what you mean. Just go to get into a church service. What are you what are you talking about? He's like, you'll figure it out, man. You'll get it. You'll understand. And he, he was right. But yeah, what he, that's what he's saying. You need to get involved. Sink yourself into the community of believers. The family of God. So let's look at the next passage here. It's Acts 2. Classic classic uh, place to look at and gain direction from. So the gospel is how, is how we're renewed. is how we're saved. Community is how we learn to live renewed. How we learn to live saved. God. Acts 2. Verse 41, it says, Those who believe. Peter just finished preaching the day of Pentecost. God poured out his spirit on the earth. Peter preached. And it said this, those who believed what Peter said were baptized. They were added to the church that day. About 3,000 people went from 120 to 3,000. Church growth, man, right there. How did it happen? The Holy Spirit. Wow, 3,000. But here, catch this next part. Verse 42 starts off with this word, all. All the believers... All the believers, it said, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the sharing of meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And then it goes on to describe some of the interactions of that. But it said all of them, all of them, 25 years saved, 25 years in the church. A lot of, a lot of stories, a lot of experiences. One of, my, one of my greatest, I've only been a part of two churches, this one formerly known as Christ the Rock, and the church I currently pastor now that Haley and I lead in Jackson, New Life Church. Two churches in 25 years. But this church has always and will always be special to, to us. And it is one of my greatest places uh, that I can talk about church. I often talk about this church. When I hear people are from Memphis or live in Memphis or, 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 or uh, moving to Memphis or what have you, I'll tell them, you need to go. You need to go try this church, I'm telling you. Because I know the power in it. I know the, ch- the, the, the love in it. I know, I know the reality of, of, of this whole thing uh, in this church and, and, and community and, and all of those things. But I'd just like to take a quick moment and just express my my gratitude uh, to, to you as a family, to you as a church body. I know probably two-thirds of you don't even know who the heck I am, and that's cool. Uh, but I'll take the other third who knows who I am, and I appreciate you, and I love you, and I thank you for loving me over the years. I want to thank my good friend, um, dear brother, long time. We've known each other for 25 years. It's crazy, but uh, your, uh, your lead pastor, Chris, uh, I want to thank him for just giving me this opportunity today, trusting me to stand in his pulpit to teach you the Word of God and share with you the gospel and the good news and, um, and for a good friendship, uh, for a lifelong friendship. We might not talk or see each other for a few months, but we talk, connect again, pick right back up, and it's as if nothing ever was missing. And uh, it's amazing, and I'm grateful for, for that friendship uh, I know it's one of those friendships that that will be uh, on, that we will have until the day we die. It's just that that good, and I, I'm thankful for that. And I appreciate Pastors Fred and Valerie um, so much. Um, gosh, you've done so much for me. You've done so much for Haley and I and our family, and uh, all the years of loving us. I appreciate your bold leadership when nobody was doing church, especially integrating. 
races together. Man, such bold leadership, willing to take licks for you. I appreciate your faithfulness in the ministry to plow through the ups and the downs and, and, and willing to just hold on to secrets and not blab your mouth. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. And, and I appreciate your love and your heart for the next generation. Such a class act of people on how to hand the baton of ministry over to the next generation. And you'll be rewarded for it. You'll be honored for it. You already are, and there's so much more to come. But thank you. We wouldn't be here today without you. Thank you. Love you. Love the whole Bennett family. Uh, Denise, my sister, love you. Um, thank you for being um, faithful and loyal under our leadership for the few years there in the youth ministry. Thank you for not thinking we were stupid and crazy and, uh, and that we didn't know what we were doing, even though we didn't. And uh, I appreciate your, your heart and your love. And, and I hear good things all the time about what you're doing here. And I tell you, uh, uh, you go to Youth America a lot. You should be the main preacher there. I'm telling you, this girl can preach. Seriously, you're a voice to this generation, but I love you. I thank you. Thank God for Jerry. You are Jeremy. I love you, my friend. I remember when we first talked about you when you first came. I said, man, we're going to need a new worship leader. And will you do it? You're like, yeah, man. Well, yeah, sure. Whatever. And, uh, and man, look at you now, brother. Look at you now. It's awesome. I love you. I love you. Love you. Um, community. Man, community has such a way of, 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 of making so many things better. I know to some it's scary. But this, this right here, the examples right here that they gave, the Word of God. I learned how to read the Word here. Learn how to interpret the Word of God here. Sitting under good teaching and inspiration and sharing and modeling of the Word. Taught me how to read my Bible. Taught me how to do that. To connect with God. It also taught me the next thing there, there is fellowship. And, and you guys, you're no strangers to what this word means. It's, it's more than, than picnics and playgrounds. It's, it, is, it, is a, it is a close relationship of family and brothers and sisters in Christ. It, it, that word actually, it means the involvement with others. It implies intimacy. It implies trust. It implies a sharing and a harmony together where you, where you gain friendship. You also get accountability. We need that. No Lone Rangers. We need that. But we also gain acceptance. Because I know what it's like to be the odd one out. I know what it's like to be the last one picked. I know what it's like to be the one who doesn't have any good things to think about themselves. And there's a circle of people standing around me, and all every single one of them say, we want you. That's what I gained here. I gained that kind of fellowship, that kind of friendship, that kind of accountability. Many times, my good friend Chris would talk to me and, and challenge me about some of the choices I was making. And he would say, dude, are you sure you want to go that route? He said, look at this route. Let me show you this way. Maybe you'll change your mind. And I'm so glad we had those conversations. I'm so glad we, we could have that kind of relationship because it kept me on the right path. You see, that's what fellowship will do. It's, it's more than eating a barbecue sandwich together, but it's about becoming together and doing life together. And I know we, our, our world, our Christianese world, we overuse that terminology, and a lot of people think, well, what does that mean? It just means getting real and being real with each other. And man, that's one of the great things that has flourished and blossomed in my life that helped me learn so much that if I'm going to follow God, I'm going to need His people in my life too. And then they, they gave them, devoted themselves to prayer. Learn how to pray here, how to build a prayer life, how to have a foundation to prayer life and just re, uh, coming together with God and communing with God. I learned all of that here. 
I like to say this at our church. A church that prays together stays together. And a church that stays together grows together. And your prayer is, is powerful. I heard a powerful prayer this morning. A couple different powerful prayers. Prayer is our link, our lifeline to heaven with God. Communication, communing with God, and, and, and having that understanding of, of prayer. And that's what these, all of these early disciples gave themselves to. They gave themselves to all of those things, and they came in, and it describes later how they shared with each other, ate with one another, gave of themselves to one another, you know, like a family does. Like a family does in community. The challenge with that, though, is this, is will we devote ourselves? Will we devote our life to the community? It's easy to devote and commit to church services. Come on, I got one. All right, amen out of that. It's, it's so easy. So easy. It's in, but it takes hard work and intention to do it together and to integrate and to devote our life to one another. Amen? Because as a Christian, we're not called just to devote our life to a service. We are also called to devote our life to one another, community. They devoted themselves to this thing. So that's the challenge. But community is this. Community is the gateway to destiny. Community is the gateway to destiny. Destiny is not something that just exists. Destiny is a decision you and I make. It's a decision based on what does God want to do with my life that will help me fulfill the Great Commission. You see, that's the great thing about community. The love, the acceptance, the affirmation, the friendship, the accountability, all that stuff working together helps open up the scope, the range, the view finder for what God has tailored you for, what God has called you for, what God has purposed you for on this earth. Every single one of you have a purpose in God. Every single one of you have a purpose in God, and all of it is it helps to create and fulfill the Great Commission out of Matthew 28, and that's where we'll go to wrap up today. The Great Commission. This is how God uses us to bring renewal to other people. See, finding and following Jesus was reviving. Finding and living in community is refreshing. But finding and walking in my purpose, that's renewing. You see, to discover that God can and wants to use my life to help reach, teach, and lead people into a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ is mind-blowing. It blows my mind that God likes to do that, and that's part of His will and part of His plan. That He gets to use imperfect people to do his perfect work. And I know we've messed it up over the years. And God knows that. But he always seems to raise up a generation of people. Like we talked about in Psalm 78. Who will tell their story. So that others in, the, in that generation and the generations to come. Can have their hope made anew in God. And I believe this is one of those places. This is one of those people. You are one of those groups of believers whom God is using in Memphis and beyond to do just that. To bring renewal to people's lives. You see, it was after I graduated high school. I was on a mission trip out west. And that's where I sensed God's call to me to, to pursue him in full-time vocational ministry. And been privileged to do that now. This is our, my 18th year to be in full-time vocational ministry, started full-time February of, two, of 1998. As Jeremy mentioned, associate student pastor at the time. And uh, I know that 18 years, I know that's not a long time. I get that, okay? I'm not bragging on any of that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm, just gl- I'm just glad I get to do it. Um, I, I'm, 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 it's exciting. Um, and I'll talk about that here in a minute. But Eight years now leading at our church in Jackson at New Life Church. We've lived up there. This is our 11th year to live there. It's our eighth year to be the lead pastors there. So, you know, the thing is, uh, mission, ministry, what God has purposed us for, there's a lot of challenges that are involved in that. You know, so naive in Bible college, so excited to preach, so eager to teach the Word. 
trying to be like somebody else. That I didn't think about, man, there's going to be some problems I'm going to face. Because <laughs> it ain't all about just opening up this and standing up here and talking to people. There's so much more to this, know that, so much more to life than what we just see in the forefront, right? But it creates a lot of, a lot of challenges. It's also, it's rewarding and it's difficult. It's rewarding when we see God's glory at work in people's lives, when people say yes to him. But it's, it's a little difficult when we see people resisting God's glory in their life. That's a little disheartening. It's a little difficult to understand and take in. But, and it creates challenges. And over the last uh, eight years, we've, we've had our fair share of, of challenges in our mission. God, our, God's purpose of using us is, is being pastors in a local church. And, you know, I... It, and sometimes it's great, but it's also difficult at times. And so I've had some challenges. I've had some relational challenges over, over these last eight years. A lot of people that were with us are no longer with us. I thought who were friends were, were not friends. Uh, you know, you have those hard talks and you talk about the real stuff. And that uh, tells you where people are at. You know what I'm saying? And I, and I discovered that and found that out. And, and the thing is, we're all going to encounter challenges while we're living to fulfill our mission we all are we're all going to have challenges in in this thing called mission and how how we go through but it's how we respond to it it's how we walk through it it's actually going to be a part of our story the redemptive story but i like to take comfort when when i was uh, going through some of the relational challenges we went through over the last several years you know it's not it's not it's not easy dealing with uh, when you feel like you're abandoned or feel like you're betrayed by people, or anything like that. It, that's hard. Or misunderstood. I hate when I'm misunderstood. It, it's hard. It's sometimes hard to deal with. But I take comfort in what Paul told Timothy, a young Timothy, in Second Timothy 4. He told him, he said, Hey, Timothy, Demas deserted me. Alexander the coppersmith brought me a lot of harm. And everybody abandoned me. Nobody stood with me. But he goes on to say, But the Lord stood with me. And gave me strength so that I could preach this good news. Friend, I want to tell you, there's going to be times in life when you're trying to serve God. You love Him. You're with Him. And, and you're doing what He wants you to do. But you face challenges with people. Because people's is people's, right? And we face those challenges and we're going to feel abandoned, and we're going to feel betrayed, and we're going to feel let down, and we'll probably let other people down. But there's one who will never let us down, and there's one who will always be there. The Lord himself will stand with you and give you strength to actually fulfill what he has you here for. Because here's the reality of this. God wants you to make it more than you want to make it. And I know all of us come from different backgrounds and different scenarios. And there's a lot of people perhaps in our past who don't want us to make it. They don't want your marriage to make it. They don't want your job to succeed. They don't want to see you flourish in the things of God. And that kind of happens sometimes. But here's the reality of it. God is for you and not against you. And God is with you. And if God is on your side, then who can stand against you? It's a great question, but the answer is no one. Because Jesus has come to save the day. Jesus has come to do his thing in your life, if you will let him. And discovering and knowing and walking in the purpose that he has for you, it's renewing. But take comfort in the fact that though others might let you down, the Lord will never. And I'm not just talking from a fancy preacher spot. I'm talking from you from real life. The Lord himself will stand with you. When you're all alone and you're crying at your, in your bedroom or sitting at your table or bending on your knees and trying to find some kind of hope and answer and direction from God's word and tears are streaming down, the Lord says, not one tear you shed is for naught. I have kept track of it in a bottle. And he said, you're, you're crying and your tears, they're for a reason and I know them. I hold them. I keep count of them. Why? Because he loves you. God, he loves you. He loves you. Mission. 
purpose, man. It sounds good, right? We're all about mission. We're all about purpose. But it's hard sometimes. Because you got the devil against you, you got your flesh against you, and you got the world system against you. All of us do. We all have that th- those three things against us. But the Lord himself, Jesus said, take heart, take cheer, because I have overcome the world. And man, Satan thought he had me. And he was cheering, but I showed him what's up because on the third day, I got up from that borrowed tomb where he thought he had me, and I took care of some stuff when nobody else was around and nobody knew what was going on. I took care of some stuff, and, 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 and you thought, you thought that it was dark in your life. It was real dark in my life when my father, God, turned his back on me for a moment, and a tear from heaven dropped on me, reminded me that he cares for me, and he has me, and he will resurrect me, and I will join him again, and I'm going to take as many as I can with me one day. You see, Jesus has traveled in your footsteps. He knows the burden of, uh, that's on your back. He knows the cares in your mind. He knows the decisions you've got to make. He knows some of the people that you do life with. He knows the secrets of the thoughts that are around you. And He knows what's in your heart. But here's the thing. He loves you. And He says, I want you to be with me. And I want you to do what I've called you to do in spite of problems and challenges. Had our fair share of some financial issues, financial challenges. Man, I've been broke. I didn't think I'd ever be broke in my life. I was flat broke. It was so bad. I was, key, I was notorious for keeping track of our checkbook, and I was calculating and looking at one day, and we had 12 cents. Not a good club to be a part of, though, is it? <laughs> Twelve cents. Assistance. We were on assistance and other things. It's good. I'm thank God. Thank God for it because it bought our babies milk and and bread and some other foods and things like that. We were givers. We tithed. We we were generous in our offerings and. We were trying to practice as far as saying, God, look, I want you to know we don't want to live like this. We want to live like this. And I know that if we can make ourselves do this, I know there's going to be a way you're going to break through. And yeah, I got more than 12 cents now in my pocket. I got uh, some lint. And I got 51 cents. No, I'm kidding. 50 cents. But man, I know what it's like to be down. And it's not easy. Pastoring the church, leading people, telling them about the hope of God and all these things. And here you are crawling on your knees. I take comfort in Paul's words to the Corinthian church. He said, patiently endure. Troubles. Hardships and calamities of every kind. If anybody could talk about that, Paul did. I don't have nothing on Paul. Nothing on him. But man, that patiently endure. Don't go hide. Don't go isolate. Don't go pulling yourself apart from the family of God. Don't go put yourself in seclusion and think you're the only one that's, going, that's got these issues and got these problems. You got issues, I got issues, all God's children got issues. But take hope and comfort in knowing the person next to you raising their hands with, with tears coming down their face, they know what it's like to be like you. And that if they can do it, by goodness, I can do it. And I know it's not easy. I'm t- I know sometimes that's not easy to do. But if we will patiently endure those challenges. Jesus said it best. Those who endure to the end will be saved. Endurance. Endurance. Patiently endure it. Man, that's hard. But it's God's word. Ministry challenges. Stop with this story. Ministry challenges. I know we're young, eight, eight, eight years doing this thing. I got a whole lot left to learn. 
grew the church from 500 down to 250. It's like, I'm on a roll. God, you sure you know what you're doing? He's like, yeah, I know sometimes you don't think I know, but I know. (laughs) That's crazy. We were $1.3 million in debt. I I felt like I was overworking, underproducing, trying everything to gain traction, momentum. And after two years of, of praying, two years I met the Lord in our sanctuary every Wednesday for two years. He and I talked and Sometimes I shouted, and other times I just fell listening. Two years asking for direction. Two years asking God either, maybe I need to just quit because I'm not doing you any favors here. I'm not helping. Patiently endure. Hang on. Hang on. The end of the two years, about this time, it was May 20th, I believe it was, In 2013, the Lord said, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to approach your leaders, your board, and I want you to sell their property, and I'll show you where to go. Our church property, I'll show you where to go. I didn't even know where to go. I don't know where we're doing. I have no idea. I just know this is, I feel like this is what we're supposed to do. So we had, through a process of time, we ended up doing that. I think you guys did that. I know that's not easy. It's not easy, and... And it is a whole lot for the person who has to take the mic and tell his church this is what we're doing. And it makes, doesn't make a whole lot of sense sometimes. And, but eliminating debt, making margin for ministry, creating room for opportunity for the gospel to explode. And to inhabit the hearts of humanity in, in Memphis and beyond. So we, we did that. God did show us where to go. We got a midnight deal, a midnight hour deal. I didn't know. I didn't think it was going to happen. It happened, and then, bam, we, we did. We sold. We moved. Uh, we made no money on the deal, zero dollars. We actually had to borrow a small loan in order to finish up. God brought that through to, to God's grace, to our congregation's generous giving, and to good stewardship on our leadership teams. We have paid that loan in half now in just two years. We paid it down in half. It's a five-year loan. We got it down in half already. Thank God for that. And, but eliminating the, the stress, the pressure of that, and, and, but then being able to focus on the future without everything just kind of hanging and looking at me. And we're able to move ahead and able to move forward. But I don't think that would have happened with me if, if, if I could not have found the answer in God's word, the circle of community, and knowing, knowing that even though it's dark in my life, I still have a purpose in God. Holding on to that. Knowing and believing that God still wants to use me and do something with me to bring hope anew to a new generation. And that's where we find ourselves. And friend, I got to close. I got to shut up. Here's what I want to tell you is this. Keep going. Keep going. Keep making your life exist for this reason. The purpose that God has for you. Why? Because you have a story. Your story is His story. And God wants to use your story for His glory. He does. He really does. He wants to use your story for His glory. And I know right now when you're, in, when you're facing certain things, you can't see it. You don't understand it. You experience setbacks. You experience changes. You experience difficulties. You, you go through certain things. And you do, sometimes it's hard to fathom and wrap your brain around it. But if you will continue to keep going, live your life knowing that God has a purpose for you, that he wants to use you to, to reach people, wants to use you to save people, wants to use you to baptize people, wants to use you to disciple people, wants to use you to help teach people, and all around he wants to help you fulfill the Great Commission with your life. He has a reason. He has a purpose in it. He uses our stories to do just that. That if our stories will allow ourselves to go all in in the gospel and let the gospel center us and let a community of people circle us 
And if we'll humble ourselves and be willing to be to let God's mission send us, friend, your story will begin to make sense. And Jesus will be glorified. And you'll be shocked at the different people that will find renewal through your story. Amen. Amen. Can, can I pray for you as we wrap up? I know we've got, we got communion, right? We're going to come up for communion. Let me, can, can I pray for you? Let's, let's bow our heads for just a quick moment. Father God, thank you so much for this day, this church. I know there's quite a few who still have, have a lot of history here, a lot of time here. And there's, some, there's new people here too. And we're thankful for everybody who is a part of this church. Every family, every individual, every young person to the oldest here. And we all have a story because we all matter to you. And there, there, we don't see it all. We can't see the end from the beginning, but we know you do. You see it. You know it. And you know every person along our path that we're going to reach. That we're going to share faith with. We're going to share our story with. That if we will keep going, you will bring renewal. We'll experience renewal out of our pain. We'll experience renewal out of our hardship. We'll experience renewal in what seems to be dead in us. You bring renewal. You bring new life. You make all things new. You bring a freshness when everything else is stale. You have a way of doing it. And today, Lord... With our heads bowed, we humble ourselves and our hearts and acknowledge we want you, we need you, and we want to go forward with you. Today, help us to, to find comfort in your word and the gospel. And for those, Lord, help us to find family in this community. Because there is a place to belong. And then, oh God, Open up the heavens. Open up the floodgate. Open up the door. And let us begin to see and walk in our destiny. Make our faith strong. Make our hope anew. And make the love of Christ Jesus that compels us be real in our hearts. To give us faith and strength to move forward and keep going. Because our story is yours. And you get glory through it. In Jesus' name.